Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. When I say vampire, what do you think of? Um, Hot start. Count, Count Duckula. Count Duckula. Do you remember is, Count Duckula? Is that like a DuckTales thing? I don't think it's related, but Count it was Duckula. a cartoon when we were kids. That was an actual it, like dedicated cartoon called Count Duckula. It wasn't like part of a different one, like Looney Tunes or something. No, it was Count Duckula. It's the same look and feel, though, because I actually... But anyway, so yeah, it it was a vampire duck. <laughs> like, of course it was, but you saying those two words together is just hilarious. <laughs> and I don't remember much about it, except for the intro was like... I feel like the intro had like... Like, this is like a, a fun cartoon, right? It kind of looks like DuckTales. Like, the duck mm-hmm. kind of looks like a DuckTales duck. But the intro had like kind of like scarier images in it. And it was like my first introduction to vampires, like cover your neck when you're sleeping. Oh my gosh. Um, Because I think I've mentioned this before because vampires don't know how to pull a blanket back. (laughs) So if you keep your blanket (laughs) over your head, then you won't get bit by a vampire in the nighttime. So that's what I think of. (laughs) Is that like the rule that you can't, like a, a vampire can't enter your house without being invited? Is that like they can't pull a blanket down unless you pull it down for them? (laughs) (laughs) I think the blanket one is based on like even less reality than the they can't come in your house. That's just your reality. That's like what you've chosen. It's just my reality. (laughs) It's just what I had convinced myself when I was a kid. Yeah. That if I kept, so I still sleep with blankets up, like up around my eyes, basically. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I don't want to get bit by vampires. Oh my gosh. I, I can't say that mine is any more, any less silly. I think uh-huh. I think of like Count Chocula, honestly, yeah, the cereal see? or something. I mean, I, I, I've, I've taken in a lot of media in my life, specifically like movies and books about vampires from the very serious to like the origins of Dracula to the very silly, like the silly in the cage movie that came out recently about being Dracula. But yeah, oh. honestly, I think it's, I think I think of Count Chocula, yeah, um, which is a cereal that I can't like. I was it, my my parents didn't care about me eating sugary cereals when I grew up or anything. It was I wasn't anything like that, so I could have eaten it. I just I honestly yeah. I've had it, but I don't think it was even on my. It wasn't in my regimen. It wasn't in my routine. Though it's yeah, it's I guess it's the first thing that comes to mind. I'm a so that's funny that we both heart. have like cartoon. Like cuddly vampires, more cuddly We're, vampires. If not young in age, we are young at heart. Yeah, <laughs> emotionally. Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Vicki Thompson. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. Vicky, mm-hmm. did uh, did you know that the word vampire, as we've talked about, has its mm-hmm. origins? It's actually in a Slavic word that translates to roughly to one who drinks. No, I didn't know that. And is it like specifically referencing drinking blood? It, I don't think so. Though I think there's only one blood sucking animal. Well, no, that's not true. Not animal. One. One blood-sucking mammal, let's go with Uh that, that has vampire attached to it and does, in fact, drink blood. Oh, you're talking about bats, right? 
I am talking about that. Yeah. And uh, what's so I, I learn a new thing every day. What's perhaps uh-huh. even cooler is that every part of their body of these vampire bats has been modified to cope with the diet. Like it's, it's, it's all kind of come around. That's wild. Okay. So you have my attention now. What's, what's this about? Yeah. So my, my, when we, when we got to pitch and listened to the interview, my curiosity peaked when I learned about this for the first time. And so to more adequately, uh, and probably eloquently explain it, I'm going to bring in producer Anupama Chandrasekharan to tell us more. Hi, Anupama. Hello, Shane. So Anupama, who did you speak to for this episode? So I had a chance to speak to Shenglin Liu. Uh, he's a scientist who's kind of basically dissected the genetic sequence of vampire bats. Genetic sequence. So the, what what does that tell us? I mean, first of all, it was really interesting for me to see that we're not talking to a scientist in the field, but somebody who's actually kind of looking at all this data that's been collected and kind of slowly really revealing fascinating facts about a creature and secondly it's what i what i really really was very very surprised to learn about was uh, in the case of vampire bats particularly it's it's not about adding new genes which has you know mostly been the case when i read about animals and evolution but it's actually about shedding genes and that's what's working for these bloodthirsty mammals oh that's really interesting let's hear it My name is Shengli Liu, and uh, currently I'm a postdoc in uh, the museum, uh, Zentenberg Museum in Frankfurt. I mainly work on vampire bats, which is a really cool um, a group of species uh, that only feeds on blood, uh, survive on blood. And uh, what I do is to compare their genome with uh, the genomes of other bat species and uh, see what is unique for the vampire bat genome. Vampire bats, as it, as the name indicates, uh, yeah, they feed on blood, but they are not as horrible as uh, actual vampires you saw in the movies. Uh, yeah, they're actually, yeah, if you don't know them, they might be a bit cute, <laughs> might be. Uh, so these animals are quite small, actually, uh, but in terms of bat, it's a medium size, about 30 gram. Uh, so you can imagine it's not a super big. Uh, they are the on, there are three vampire bat species, as I mentioned, and they are the only mammals uh, that uh, only feeds on blood. The only mammals. There are over 6,000 uh, mammal species, and only these three are obligate uh, blood feeders. That makes them really cool. So could you explain a little bit about that, like how these cute mammals that suck blood, why are they unique? Blood is not a very good source of food or energy because it's a 90%, uh, 80 or 90% of it is just water. So you really need to suck a lot to get enough energy. And uh, except for that, most of it is protein. It's very low in carbohydrate and fat. So cannot directly provide you energy. You need to go through some actual procedures inside your body to make it available as energy. For example, uh, their teeth are pretty much gone, except for the front teeth and the canine teeth, which are really sharp, just to, to cut uh, the body to get the wound and so that the blood can come out. That's the main function of the teeth. And then uh, their stomach got really huge, uh, which allowed them to store a lot of blood. Uh, their body is around 30 gram, and they can drink between 10 to 25 gram of blood. So yeah, that's a lot. 
So could you give me give us a sense about why these mammals are so fascinating and and how what the genetic studies actually revealed about about these creatures that focus just on drinking blood. Yeah, as I said, this is three species as a as a distinctive group. They are the only blood suckers uh, uh, in bats and also in all mammals. <laughs> so this uh, creates a very good system for you to study uh, a specific kind of uh, evolutionary question. Uh, in this case, it's just uh, adapting to blood diet. This is perfect system for studying evolution. Hmm. That is one of the reasons why we studied it. And uh, besides uh, through the pre preliminary study, we also found uh, some very interesting results. For example, some genes related to the carbohydrate or fatty acid uh, metabolism, especially the uh, insulin-related uh, regulative network. That is, uh, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the genes in that were lost. And also, we also found some gene losses, uh, one gene loss that is related to iron absorption. Because uh, they drink a lot of blood. Blood contains a lot of uh, iron, which is around uh, 800 times more iron than human consumes. And uh, yeah, that too much iron can be toxic for the body. So how bad can cope with it? And uh, our study indicated that uh, there is one gene loss that might uh, help them to cope with it. That gene loss can allow them to get the iron from the blood into the intestinal cell and then shed those cells in through the poop and then in that way they can get rid of the excess of, uh, amount of iron yeah i mean there's also genes that have reshaped their organs right you'd already spoken about it could you elaborate a little bit more about that yeah it is a particular gene this gene is uh, named as the ct ctse yeah casepsin e this gene is a uh, uh, normally in humankind is expressed in the stomach uh, in the parietal cell the parietal cell uh, there are special cells in the stomach that can create the stomach acid. Okay. So, yeah, this is why your stomach has an acidic environment because of these cells. And uh, this gene is expressed in those cells. Uh, this gene is lost. It uh, may correlate with uh, the shift of the function of the parietal cells. Because in, in, in other mammals, for example, in humans and in mice, uh, parietal cells will be secreting the stomach acid. Some other study indicated that in, one, in the case of vampire bat, the pyreto cell probably have specialized into some other function, for example, iron secretion. Hmm. So tell us, tell me a little bit about your field work and also about what it is to actually be down in the lab and make all these discoveries about, you know, acute blood sucking mammals. I'm afraid I have to dis dis disappoint you. I, I don't, don't have any story to tell about the field work because, yeah, I didn't do any field work. The sample was collected by someone else. And uh, when I arrived in the lab, it was already genome sequenced. Okay. So my work was a, pur a purely computer-based work, uh, data analysis. But uh, I like this kind of work. It's super fascinating how the genetics work that he's doing and how it's revealing these really intriguing evolutionary processes. Yeah, who says you need to be out in the field to do really interesting work? Absolutely. I mean, we need folks to dissect data because otherwise folks are just going to be out collecting the data and we need somebody actually kind of dissecting this data. And these things can really reveal fascinating facts. For instance... I was really surprised to know that these bats 
which consume a non-carb, non-sugary, high on iron liquid diet. When researchers actually went through their genome, they found that this diet actually requires so many tweaks in their internal organs, even even their hormones. Yeah, it is it is wild if you step back and kind of think about it. And I I imagine even though Shanglin doesn't really do field work, he he had to have had some memorable research experiences. So any particular moment, any days, weeks that you remember very clearly that you know you kind of mind and you kind of found this peculiarity, you know, and were completely amazed by it. Yeah, for example, one week uh, I just found that uh what, what was that? Uh, insulin receptor gene. Uh, that is a very unique gene in the genome. Uh, we, we, we all have it and only one copy in the genome. That gene is under uh, positive selection in vampire bats and in all vampire bats. And that uh, positive selection is quite dramatic. It's uh, it literally replaced uh, quite uh, uh, some segment of the sequence, uh, which you would not expect uh, in under normal circumstances. And what consequence does this have on uh, and on on the adaptability of these vampire bats? Uh, so what I can say is uh, purely theoretical. For humankind, we know that uh, insulin is very important. If we we have low amount of insulin, then we probably get diabetes. But in vampire bats, they naturally have a low amount of uh, insulin. Also, as I said, their diet contains a really low amount of uh, sugar and uh, fatty acid. So their entire insulin regulatory system should be quite different. There's this little bit of connection about how smart the vampire bats are and how it also affects their sociability and their friendships and, you know, the things that they're willing to share. So could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, vampire bats just have so many unique traits, and uh, uh, another one will be just uh, like what you mentioned, the social behavior. Mm-hmm. According to study, they are also pretty smart. The social, uh, their social behavior level is quite unique because uh, they share their food, because blood is quite uh, precious to get, and uh, you cannot guarantee that every night you go out, then you can get some blood. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, So they have, uh, yeah, and, uh, and on top of that, uh, they are really bad at uh, enduring hunger. If you starve mm-hmm. them for three days, they will die. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they really need uh, blood continuously. And uh, some of the night, uh, one individual probably don't get uh, any blood and then come back and then, yeah, they will starve. But they have come up with a behavioral solution for this. Mm-hmm. Some of the friends uh, or neighbors who got the blood that night <laughs> will share some of uh, they will basically vomit his back right. and then uh, share it with an individual that didn't get blood that night. So this uh, regurgitation and blood sharing behavior uh, is very unique. And uh, it shows that they have this kind of social behavior, which is very rare in bats. At, at the beginning, scientists thought that probably they would share this blood because uh, they are related, uh, like a mother and a daughter, this kind of relationship. But it turned out no kinship or relatedness, in this case, it doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is that how, how, close, how closely they were interacting in the normal days. For example, uh, one individual, uh, if, for example, they groom each other, uh, so take away parasites from each other's body and comb their hair or, yeah, yeah, just uh, building up this kind of friendship. That uh, is the basis for the blood sharing. So 
Okay, so I talk about grooming as a survival mechanism in the disease ecology class that I teach. I spoke about a little bit before, and this is mostly in primates. It's called allogrooming, but that's that's usually where it stops. They're just they're just pulling parasites and pests off of one another. It doesn't usually lead to them becoming close enough to eventually regurgitate blood to feed one another. <laughs> Your face right now is amazing. I. I like literally have no response. I don't know what to, that's, that's really a unique thought that you had there. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, let's just, we'll just get back into it to to hear more about it. They also remember somebody who has probably shared blood with them in the past, right? And that, yeah, there's a quid pro quo in a sense, which happens. Yes. Uh, It's mostly the friendship uh, they built up uh, through the normal daily life that, uh, enhances this uh, blood sharing behavior. That also means that they need to remember what happened in the past and uh, who they shared the blood with. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, that means that they have quite a good memory uh, about it. So, in, and actually uh, some study also indicated that their brain relative to their body, relative to their body size, is uh, bigger than the other bats. So it means they are more intelligent. Yeah, and then our group, uh, by analyzing the vampire genome, we also found that this gene this gene was called CYP39A1. Uh, this gene was lost uh, in one part of that. And uh, what this gene does is, um, this gene actually has two, two functions. One is to produce bioacid. Uh, this helps you digest uh, and absorb fat from your food. But uh, this, yeah, this gene is involved in bioacid production, but uh, it only contributes very little. And, uh, but this gene also has another function. Uh, it is in the brain, expressing the brain. It uh, metabolizes the cholesterol in the brain into a, metab- into a hmm, special metabolite we, uh, called the 24S hydroxyl cholesterol, very long name. Yeah, we, we can just call it a special metabolite. And some study indicated that this special metabolite can enhance the memory and uh, also uh, social behavior. So basically enhance many cognitive aspects of the brain. So we are thinking that uh, this probably is a uh, very important contributing factor for for the one part to to gain their intelligence, uh, uh, some level of intelligence uh, in their evolution. Got it. So so these are cute, blood-sucking, smart, and generous bats, so to say, right? Have you like been surprised or completely amazed or shocked to know about something or find anything, you know? Yeah, I cannot uh, say those big moments, but uh, occasionally there was uh, just a small shock wave. <laughs> there, um, the most drastic change that happened in vampire bats is in their gut, uh, gastrointestinal system. So from stomach to intestine and pancreas, all those parts. Uh, you know that in humankind, uh, uh, after meal, uh, there will be bowel movement. So the intestine will slowly move and to make the food uh, go forward. And uh, even when you are sleeping, uh, there will be rhythmic uh, movement of the uh, bowel so that uh, the remaining undigested stuff will be pushed down together with uh, unwanted bacteria, hmm. harmful bacteria. Then it will be pooped out eventually. But this movement is gone in one part of that, according to our study, uh, which makes sense because they don't eat any solid food. It's a purely liquid food. And uh, so they don't need a bowel movement. 
So they don't, uh, when they sleep, they don't move their stomach uh, or intestine. Yeah. And uh, that uh, uh, probably also correlated with uh, another finding with uh, another thing we found. We found uh, some uh, immune related genes under positive selection. And those genes are particularly expressed in the intestine. This may have something to do with the lack of the bowel movement, because if the bowel doesn't move, then it also means that the harmful bacteria cannot be get, get rid right. of, from the stomach, uh, from the intestine. Then they have, they will probably just have to enhance their immune system to cope with it. And uh, to correlate with that, a uh, previous find, a previous study found that the vampire bat intestine is particularly contains particularly a high amount of uh, immune-related cells, actually. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's no small feat to be a blood-sucking vampire bat in that sense, right? Because that yeah. whole thing from your brain to, like, your stomach and intestines and everything, lots of changes have happened to actually enable you to kind of be able to yeah. drink blood, process it, excrete it, and so on and so forth, and also share it, Right. I hope uh, people listen to this and uh, then also realize that uh, vampire pests, they are not, not all bad. Actually, they're quite cool. It's quite a uh, ingenuity of the <laughs> mother nature. <laughs> yeah. Vicky, what's... Well, I guess I, I we could have talked about this before, but what are your before and I guess now, what are your feelings on bats? Like when I say bat or vampire bat, I guess specifically, what what comes to mind? Oh, like real bats? Um, just, I learned the other day that from Instagram that if a bat gets in your house, that you should just go get rabies shots. Yeah. Did um, you? Did you know uh, that? So, yes. Uh <laughs> Okay, this is actually funny because I, I love bats and I think they're absolutely adorable. I, I talk a lot about them in the class that I teach about all the harms they're facing, like fungal diseases, wiping uh-huh. them out, among other things. Uh, you but know, fungal also, disease. Yes, I, we talk about rabies. Like this, I teach a disease yeah. class. And so we talk about rabies a lot. And um, I basically, yes. Uh, bats, yeah. this is my PSA. If you, you can get bitten by a bat and you will never know. And right. many of, at least a handful of the more well-known rabies cases in America happened because folks were bitten by a bat and never knew. So I don't want to express misinformation or anything. I'm not saying you would like have to kill the bat or have to like go, but like the it's, best it's, practice. Best practice is probably just to like figure out Try to determine if if you were bitten. Um, they can carry rabies. This is I didn't really think yeah. about going in this direction, but we'll pull back <laughs> around. So I do love bats. Uh, with with all those caveats aside, um, I think they're they're really great. People don't know they're really great for the environment. They're good for economies, uh, all that type of thing. Even if they do suck blood, uh, Anupama, what do you think about bats? Like, has your perception shifted at all, or anything like that? You know, actually, there are lots of fruit fruit bats in my neighborhood. And it's quite oh. fascinating to go to this, like, ficus tree and watch these fruit bats, you know, hanging upside down during the daytime. It's really oh. quite interesting. But I have never particularly been affectionate towards vampire bats, you know. And now that's, that's surely changed because these really seem like evolved blood-sucking machines, you know. 
want a shirt with that, with like a picture of a vampire bat that just says evolved blood sucking machines. I think (laughs) that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I like I I like I like where we're ending here with with positive attitudes about bats blood sucking or otherwise. So we'll, <laughs> we'll <laughs> with that uh, that is all from Third Pod from the Sun. Thanks so much to Anupama for bringing us this story and to Shanglin Liu for sharing his work with us. This episode was produced by Anupama with audio engineering from Colin Warren and artwork by Jay Steiner. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please rate and review us, and you can find new episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you next week. Oh, I've, yeah, I've, never, I've never heard of Count Dacula, which is funny, because I, I feel like I, I knew a lot of really silly cartoons back in the day. Um, well, when were you born? 86. Yeah. So you were two. I just, I Googled it. You were two when it came out and I was How long did it run for? Six. Or, yeah, I was six. Uh, let's, let's expand this Wikipedia article. I'll hail Wikipedia to 93. I mean, I would have been seven. What was it on? You know, I don't know, because it's British. Oh, well, then what did you see it on? Were you watching Not it on, like, PBS? Not to be PBS? confused with the unrelated 1979 cartoon also based around a vampire duck, Quackula. Quackula's better. That's just a better name. Based on Danger Mouse. I don't understand how any of this... Nickelodeon. ITV oh, I'd, and Nickelodeon. I'd have cable. <sighs> you poor child. <laughs> you didn't have cable. I didn't. I thought I was dead because I didn't have um, the Disney Channel because you had to pay extra. So I would wait. They would have, I think we've talked about this before. I would wait for them to have the free, they would give you a free week of the Disney Mm -hmm. Channel so that they would get the kids hooked on the Disney Channel. And then, so I would just wait for that free week and just like watch TV the whole week. Yeah, I didn't have cable. My parents, my parents got, literally got satellite dish TV because cable didn't run to my house. Yeah. Actually, up until like a year ago, frankly. Because where am I from? Rural Pennsylvania. There we go. <laughs>